Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. Today we're reviewing the last MCU movie of the year, I think. Is it the last? Yes, it's the last one. Is it um, really? Yes, yeah, the last uh, MCU movie of the year. Uh, everything else is like DC with uh, Shazam and Black Adam. You're so, right. You're right. So yeah, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> List. So I know I normally say something right after that as like a little, little moment there. But yeah, Thor: and Love and Thunder. Cue some sort of electric eighties electric guitar just blaring out there in the world. Motley Crue. You would have yes. think it would have been Van Halen, but no, Motley Crue. Um, and it worked. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's just weird to me because, like. I don't know. The stereotypes has always been that the good 80s hair metal band was Van Halen and the schlocky one was Motley Crue. But I think that might have been intentional for the purpose, for the vibe they were going for. That's true. That's very true. So, uh, see, um, uh, like we did with our with our Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness review, just trying to be like just trying to start off a review with like, so. What do you think about the MCU? It's such so a Marvel, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so freaking broad that like you just got to find creative ways to kind of kind of get into the review. And I was actually thinking for a while. I was like, well, what, what can we talk about Thor? And or what can we do to open up the conversation about so Thor? One thing I realized is the MCU it's for especially for millennials it's tied into our childhood and there's no way around it. Even like pre MCU when they were still figuring shit out, they haven't fully like reached the unity, so to speak, that they've reached now. So like we're, we've sort of, ex my, my thoughts on the MCU now, and this is what this movie got me. What I started thinking after we saw it was I started really thinking about like, what are like the MCU movies that, or the Marvel movies, whether they were part of the official MCU or not, that really stuck out to me over the years. Like the ones I really enjoyed. Did you get that at all when you were driving home? Um, no, I, I had other thoughts on my mind, although it's interesting. Um, okay, so technically we were minors when the first MCU movie came out, Iron Man. I was, yeah. I was 17 at the time, so... I, I can't really say that the MCU was a big part of my childhood. Now, Marvel, in a sense, was. I mean, I, I distinctly remember begging my parents that I just really wanted to see Ang Lee's Hulk. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I need, to see, I need to see Hulk. I, I went and, to see that on my birthday. Really? I, I actually... It came out around June. Oh, okay. I saw it a little bit after my birthday. Mm. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, my dad went like, that was weird. And I was like, yeah, it was weird. I wonder why. Cute. So the Hulk, the Cute. Hulk movie was something I was really excited for as a kid. And then when I saw it, I think I was like refusing to accept that it wasn't good. And it genuinely took me a little while to finally be like, all right, yeah, that didn't work. Well, for me, it was more like, it, like even though there was a comic book character, it just had such a different vibe from... The Spider-Man movies, which or the really X-Men movies or the X-Men movies it had such a different vibe. And I remember thinking to myself, like, uh, like, why? Why does it feel different? Why does it feel so different? And that's kind of it's not what started the it's not what started me going on the path of cinema. But it's definitely it definitely was one of the first things that made me 
really think about, well, who makes this stuff? In this case being Ang Lee, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, this Brian guy makes the X-Men movies. This Sam guy made Spider-Man and this Ang Lee guy made Hulk. And they're Mm -hmm. all, they all feel a little different. So Hulk was one of the first movies where I was like, oh, you should probably pay attention on who's making this. Ironically, the other movie was uh, Monsters, Inc. Because hmm. it, it felt so different from Bugs Life and Toy Story that I was like, oh, this isn't the same guy who made those movies. It's a guy called Pete. But mm. uh, anyway, anyway. So, but I was thinking like, well, how do we, how, how do we talk about, how, how do we kind of roll into the Thor Love and Thunder review? And I think... And I know this is going to be kind of the big crux of our review, but... Can we just acknowledge that spoilers ahead? Can we just get that out of the way? I think we might have to. Uh, Yeah, we're we're not going to get into super heavy spoilers until the end. Um, I think think we we can safely talk about the movie without going into, like, big, big heavy spoilers. Sure. Um, But, yeah, just to kind of start off to get talking about Thor... See, I, I, I think the best question is the biggest question in the sense of do you like the direction Thor as a character has taken? For me, overall, it's been a net positive, I think. And I say that because it's definitely got, it's definitely not what you expected, but I think it's working. For me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about and, you? Okay, so if anyone's been following the MCU, and in particular Thor, you've noticed that like Thor has kind of taken a bit of a deviation. Uh, he started off as kind of your standard proud race noble warrior guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, I, I guess you can say the trope is a, either because writers didn't really know how to approach it or, you know, audiences just weren't into it because Game of Thrones was doing it better mm-hmm. or because Chris Hemsworth, his strength lies in his comedic charisma, his comedic instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided, starting with uh, Thor Ragnarok, which came out in 2017, that Thor was going to be much, much more of a comedic character. And to be fair, though, Al, the reason why they decided this is because the box office numbers were not lying about their people's... And for the second movie, critics were not lying about their opinions on the current direction of Thor. That he was the... Everyone was agreeing that he was the lame one. Or he was the boring one. He was the boring one, yeah. That it wasn't working. And they kind of jabbed at that a little bit at the first Avengers movie. Did they? A little bit. No, he wasn't a joke. He still was like a full badass hero. But they were kind of like, so what are you, a god? Like, seriously? That's what that's what it is? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I think the other thing is Marvel realized they had a problem because the lame superhero was also the true inciting incident at the end of the day for the Avengers for a long-ass time. That, now, that's true. What saved them was that while nobody liked Thor, everybody loved Loki. And that's what saved Okay, him. I'm, I'm going to have to hold it right there. I, I don't think people hated Thor. I just think I, I think more that they were just like, well, he's not. 
maybe he's not relatable or maybe they're not just as into him as they were with uh with with Iron Man or Captain America. Well, they realized because here's the thing. Every every one of the other characters had like a thing about them and Thor was the only one where it's just like I am just a mighty so, uh, I am just a mighty warrior space viking and I'm learning kind of but it was kind of like all the emotion all the emotional crux of Thor was coming from Loki which is typically how superhero movies do it but they still there was no struggle no one could picture a struggle with Thor it's like you're a god what's your struggle basically the basically the thing was was that the only way the Thor franchise seemed to be floating on water was including basically making Loki the second lead. Which, which is part of the problem with Thor The Dark World was because they clearly just heavily shoehorned in Loki because they realized he's this fr- he's this one this franchise is only strength as far as yeah. this one. Yeah. By franchise I mean Thor. I should have Yeah, yeah, the Thor franchise. Or or the Thor strand Sh- of the MCU. Str- yes. Now now <sighs> Listen, I I know you think it's a net positive. I know a lot of people really, really were digging the direction Thor as a character went, starting with Ragnarok, where he's kind of more of this jokester. He 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 has he had more in common with Peter Quill in mm-hmm. the sense that he was this boisterous kind of not a buffoon, but this kind of boisterous guy who who kind of got over his head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um my my problem always was was that i they always seemed to forget that there was a sincerity to thor that the movies respected and listen i'm not saying ragnarok is worse than the first thor and definitely not saying it's worse than the dark world oh no dark but, world is considered one of the worst marvel movies period yeah it, it, i think i've only ever seen that movie twice now but the the thing was was that Ragnarok basically basically and I mean kind of the movie itself <laughs> decided oh that sincerity of Thor's let's poke fun at it right <laughs> now Joss Whedon did this a little bit in the first Thor obviously <laughs> or not in the first Thor in the first uh, Avengers movie yeah. uh, he kind of forgot about Thor well he didn't forget about Thor but. Thor was kind of left on the side in terms of characterization in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I understand that, you know, Kevin Feige and the folks at Marvel Studios really just wanted to find something that got people interested in Thor. And there's a mutual friend of ours who said it best, like, the funnest Thor is uh, himbo Thor, right? Mm. And and listen, I get it. He's a bit more fun, but to me, it just seemed like it was a little. It, it kind of made his character a little demeaning, and then you know, imagine my surprise that when Infinity War comes out, and the Russo brothers and the uh, the screenwriters of of Infinity War, uh, McFeely and um, oh, I forget the other guy's name. I apologize. I, I can't remember his name, but they basically are like, okay, let's balance himbo thor with tragic thor with noble warrior thor mm-hmm. right and then uh when endgame came out they kind of leaned into more comedic thor because he became fat thor well they and to be clear and this part isn't really taika waititi's fault they really really pushed that hard. no yeah yeah I, i'm not i'm not saying fat thor is taika waititi's fault i'm just saying 
I'm just saying that even though Endgame went into like, okay, let's be more comedic with Thor, they never lost sight of that sincerity, the sincerity around his character. Mm. And, and I was like, okay, this balance I like. Like, I wasn't into him being just a, a jokester in Ragnarok, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm fine with what they're doing with him in Infinity War and Endgame. The fat mm-hmm. suit I still thought was a bit too over the top, but that being said, I, I was still overall fine with it. So that balance of what he was, I was like, I'm cool with this, right? And, you know, then it gets announced that Taika Waititi is going to direct Thor 4 and it's going to be called Thor Love and Thunder. And immediately I thought, uh, okay, I, I, I hope Taika Waititi sticks to what they did in the Avengers movies and he just doesn't make him a full practical Joker again. That was my biggest concern coming into it. And I'll admit that I didn't have high hopes that he was going to not make Thor a totally comedic character again because and listen I know Taika Waititi is so hot right now everyone gets super excited when he makes a new film but I've never really gotten into the hype with him listen mm-hmm. I en- I enjoyed what we do in the shadows I was like oh this is funny it's fun right whatever whatever but uh, dude I, I don't know ever since he did Hunt for the Wilder People I've just felt like I've just been out of sync with with like the majority of cinephiles' opinions of Taika Waititi, like so. What about uh, Jojo Rabbit? Were you not into that? <laughs> I understand it was it was an odd movie, but I I liked Jojo Rabbit. I was like, I Whoa, this I, is I I didn't hate it, but I just kept thinking to myself, this is like I, I felt Al, like he was are you doing... saying the part with the shoes didn't get you. No, no, I thought that was good. I just thought overall, I was like, I feel like this is this is just a Wes Anderson parody just without the crazy symmetrical anamorphic cinematography and less pastels. I I didn't hate the movie, but I was like, it was like, again, with Hunt for the Wilder People, I was just kind of like, okay, I guess. Right. Mm. And, but anyway, he made Ragnarok before he made Jojo Rabbit. And again, I've already said my thoughts on Ragnarok. Um, but yeah, no, Taika Waititi, I've just never, like, for instance, he apparently, like, directed the pilot episode of a TV show on HBO Max called uh, Our, Our Flag, Flag Me- Means Death. Yeah, and I watched the first episode, and I was just like, I, I just, his, his like, quote-unquote zany comedy, and I, I just, I, I don't know, I, it's just not my thing, you know, I, I've never, he's never made a movie where I've been like, oh god, this sucks, and or he's never been involved in anything where I was like, oh, God, this sucks. But I don't know, dude. I've just never been on that wavelength. Well, I think it, it is because, you know, you're not into – I think he's – you're seeing a type of – he's tapped into something that I've noticed when other movies do it. It doesn't – it rubs the wrong way for you, I think. Mm. Like, you, see, I know you're not the biggest Wes Anderson fan. I you know, which is, I'm not, I'm not obsessed with him, but I do enjoy some of his movies. And I think there's also, I think there's a, there's a, you know what it is? It's when, when the humor is kind of just a little dry. Do you not like dry humor? Are you not that into dry humor? No, I, I, I love a good dry humorous scene. I, I like dry humor. No. Actually, you know what? Never mind, Cause you love, um, you love Death of Stalin. That's filled with dry humor. Yeah, yeah. So never I, mind. I'm sorry. You, you know what it is? 
You know what it is? I feel like his comedic. Okay, so he's never directed a movie I, I've quote unquote hated, mm-hmm. but he has done performances where I'm like, please stop for the love of God, stop. For instance, uh, one of my favorite movies of 2021 was Free Guy, right? Mm-hmm. But it was on the low end of my list because Taika Waititi as the villain was quite honestly just insufferable. Like, where it seems that he has more restraint and like he still imposes his comedic taste on his the films he directs, obviously. But for some reason, like his when he performs that comedy versus when he directs that comedy, like he has so much restraint and with directing it than he has with performing it. Because whereas like with directing it, he might be like a seven. When he's performing it, he's like a 20. It's it's so overwhelming and it's just, it's grating. In fact, and, and you know, it's not just me. I, I've seen a lot of people that in the recent stuff he's been in, uh, Our Flag Means Death Notwithstanding, that like his performance in Lightyear, his performance in Free Guy, everything where he's like doing that Taika Waititi shtick, people are just getting sick of it. Like absolutely sick of it. So I... I think that's what it is mostly is that when I see him, if he's not directing it and if I see him, I'm like, he's doing, he's doing what Mel- Melissa McCarthy was doing. Like when her, when she was like at the top of the A-list, which was like, Oh, people liked that. I did this in bridesmaids. I'm really going to double down on it. And it just became overwhelming and insufferable. Well, I think, and here's the thing. So maybe what they're, but I think what you what you're acknowledging is you're acknowledging that when he directs things, he's never directed something that you've fully like been, you've fully hated. Yeah. So I'm wondering for you, and this is specifically speaking to you, if because you've you've acknowledged that you actually think Melissa McCarthy is a very good actress. It's just not when she's putting on the thing she's known for. Am I yeah. right in saying that? No, you're totally right. Like. If anyone here has ever seen Gilmore Girls, which is what got, which is what got her start, it is like she is one of the best parts of that show, like straight up. And when she's like doing, um, oh, what was that film she did that I think she got, like, oh, um, the one I love, uh, is yeah. It, Please forgive me. Can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Her performance is amazing in that. Her performance is great in that, and like she did also, a mo- word of the wise that's a great movie yeah she also did a movie with ryan reynolds like back in 2009 called the nines and yeah. she gives a really grounded performance in that like like you watch it and you're like wow this is this is really cool also real quick she and we'll get into it later but she's it, she plays a very micro role in thor love and thunder and it's 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 a perfect moment it's great yeah it is great it's so fun. So anyway, um, let's, you know, I'll, I'll, we can keep talking about my issues with Taika Waititi, but how about we watch the trailer for yeah, Thor Love and Thunder and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into, there. yeah, we'll go, we'll go to our review. were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. I need to figure out exactly who I am. 
choose my own path. Live in the moment. My superheroing days are over. That trailer's been around for a hot minute. Only two months. Think about it. It feels longer. I don't know why. Well, so it's really interesting. I I read a bit of trivia that apparently this has been the shortest length from like the first teaser to like the movie getting released that Marvel has done. Like just two months. Really? Um, Yeah. They they literally released the Thor Love and Thunder trailer when uh, Multiverse of Madness comes out. You know what it might be? It's that I've heard the name Thor Love and Thunder for a hot minute. Maybe that's oh, what it is. Yeah, because uh, I think Taika Waititi directed like a soccer movie like before he directed this. And that's still like in the can. And then he really? just jumped on to Thor because Thor already had a release date. You oh, know? Wow. So, yeah, he actually directed a movie between this and uh, Jojo Rabbit. So. I didn't but even it, yeah, that. but it hasn't. Re- yeah, it has like Michael Fassbender in it and stuff. Oh, it's nice. like it's like a like a adaptation of a documentary about like the worst international soccer team in the world, which I think oh, is wow. like what was it? It's um uh Samoa, I think. Interesting. I I, I don't know. I don't. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So, mm. uh, see, let me ask you. Uh, well, first let, let let's pretty much get into the bit of a plot of what Thor Love and Thunder is about. So basically uh, we, we meet Thor. Uh, he lost his, he lost his fat belly. He's mm-hmm. been with the guardians of the galaxy since Endgame. Yeah. And um, he's, and he's kind of, he's kind of in this, I need to make myself a better person. Yeah. He's kind of in movie. a bit of a funk. And uh, while he's been with the guardians of the galaxy uh, in another part of the universe, uh, this guy, this guy like meets his God and basically, basically played by Christian Bale. Yeah. Played by Christian Bale. Uh, Christian Bale plays this guy named Gore, uh, meets his God. And he's like, tell me, what are your, Oh, that's another thing. This movie introduces to the fact that there are other gods and it'll get into that later on. You know, it's funny though that you mentioned that because technically, uh, black Panther did that. That's true, but it wasn't the main subject. It wasn't the main subject, but Black Panther did kind of confirm that, yes, there are, like, actual spiritual gods. And then uh, Moon Knight kind of doubled down on that. True. Funny thing. Apparently, Christian Bale's character, Gore, was supposed to show up in Moon Knight, but then at the last minute, they kind of scrubbed it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm curious to where they would have put him, but either way, yes, uh, Christian Bale playing this guy named Gore uh, meets his God, so to speak. He meets his God and the God had just killed like some guy who was 
who was in possession of this god-killing sword. And to be clear, apparently, because it was kind of like, oh, and that's a thing. that the, I defeated the guy that had the god-killer. That's why I'm celebrating. Um, apparently, in the comic, it that in, it that the way this scene happens is very similar to the original comic, apparently. Yeah. It's not that so, so pretty much, Gore kind of gets all... Gore kind of starts hearing the sword speak to him, and in his grief, he peeks it up, and he gets filled with power, and he kills his god. And he goes like, the sword basically tells him, hey, I want you to kill a lot of gods. By, the way, like, his, by the way, Gore's daughter died, so I feel that's... Did, well, did you I say that already. No, 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 I wasn't going to bring that up. Uh, but I'm sorry. But but well, it happened. In, it happened pretty quickly. And it, yeah, yeah, it's, that's true. That's true. And it's important to like mention that I think like he he's traveling through this abandoned planet and he's praying to his god for for help and sustenance to save his daughter. His daughter dies, and there's actually this really, really powerful scene where he's lying next to his daughter's shallow grave. And you're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And that's when he confronts his God and his God doesn't give two shits. Yeah. And he grabs the God. It's basically this this big shadowy black sword. And in a fit of rage, he grabs the God killer and kills his God. Yeah. And basically. It's very sword and sandals. And it's. Yeah. Quite, yeah. It's yeah. But but his uh, his uh, his sword, the sword, the necro sword, I think is what they called yes. it. Basically starts whispering to him, kill other gods. And he goes like, sure thing. No problem. He's like, I have no problem with this. Yeah. So he starts killing other gods off screen and uh, Thor hears about it. And he's like, oh, uh, I think he's going to go to new Asgard on earth. I better go, go back to earth to protect it. Now, as these two things are happening, uh, Thor's ex-girlfriend Jane goes to new Asgard because she feels that she hears Mjolnir talking to her. And uh, as she goes near like where Mjolnir is. So this is actually kind of, this is actually kind of fun. Uh, obviously no one can pick up Mjolnir. So even though it broke into a bunch of little pieces, the best they can do is just kind of, surround it with glass keep it protected because no one can pick it up yeah uh, and uh, anyway she goes to it mjolnir reacts to her and lo and behold she now has thor's superpowers yeah she gains the mantle of thor so yeah she she's worthy to wield the hammer of thor um thor comes to earth run into her and you know he's like wait what my ex has my my hammer and then it's like Gore comes in is like, well, if I can't kill you, I'm going to kidnap your kids. And he kidnaps her kids and Thor, All Jane. All the children of new Asgard are basically yeah. abducted by yeah. him and his shadow sword. Yeah. So Thor, Jane and Valkyrie, who's king of Asgard, basically go on like this road trip, this adventure to try to raise an army to defeat him because that necrosword can, can again kill all gods. So they're all a little afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the story. Oh, and uh, Korg is following along for some reason. Because everybody loves Korg. I guess so. Uh, Korg's his buddy. That's that's Yeah, why. yeah, yeah. It's his buddy. So see, um, I know we talked about this right as the movie ended and we were walking out. But mm-hmm. just to kind of reiterate, overall, what, what, what did you think about this movie? So... I I thought about this as I was driving home. I was like, okay, what do I had to? Because you know, you, sometimes you got to let your thoughts marinate a bit. Yeah. Um, so let me, and I think I've mentioned I mentioned this when we reviewed Doctor Strange. 
But of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, strictly, I'm not talking about anything before, nothing, nothing Marvel related before Iron Man, to be clear. I'm just talking about within this universe of Marvel movies. I'd say my either my my number one or my number two of the Marvel movies, without a doubt for me, is um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, Al, tell me if I'm wrong, but I really think for you, and my number two for the record is Iron Man. And Al, I think for you, your number one is either, I'm guessing from what you've told me, is um, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, definitely. And that your number two is probably Iron Man as well? It's either Iron Man or the first Avengers. Okay, yeah. And number three is the first Avengers or something. But what I'm saying is you and I, we have, we're almost in pretty close sync with uh, our opinions on Marvel, except for amazingly where it counts the most, which is our number one slot. There are two, you can agree that Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy are two very different movies, right? Yeah, very, very, very different. different. Both are good in their own right, but they're very different. Yeah. So with that in mind, be, I think that's why I've been me because I like the first Guardians of the Galaxy mo- so much and maybe this is, I admit my bias to this. It makes me more susceptible and more interested in the Taika Waititi um view on Thor. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's very fair. Okay. So because of that, you know, because I have a more positive outlook on it, I was able to more easily just sit back and enjoy the ride with this one. So then when, because of that, because of that enjoyable disposition, when this movie did something unexpectedly either bold or emotionally grounded, I was more impressed because I was already okay with the fact that it was going to be kind of a, a joyous, funny, I don't want to say schlock, but for the re- for the lack of better term, schlock fest. So when this movie genuine, and I won't go into them, or we'll go into them later on, but when this movie had genuine emotional moments, I was like, okay, Taika, all right. And again, I knew he was capable of this because of Jojo Rabbit, but the fact that he did that with this Thor movie more than he did with Ragnarok, that that genuinely surprised me. So. Genuinely, I was shocked by the level that I enjoyed it, I think, as I'm watching this. I'm like, yeah, it's funny, but oh, okay, now we've got a good emotional moment. Uh, yeah, what were you saying? So, so the, what, what I was going to say is that if you go into this movie expecting Ragnarok in the sense of like, oh, there's going to be a lot of humor in it, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, now, ironically enough, this fixes something that Ragnarok didn't have and doubles down on a problem I had with Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. So two of my biggest problems with Ragnarok was that they were trying to cram in too many jokes everywhere, not letting scenes breathe. They always mm-hmm. had to include a joke and that there were just too few moments of genuine pathos in Ragnarok. You know, I mean, yes, you had uh Odin's death and you had uh Thor explaining to Loki why he could no longer trust him. But, you know, those were so few and far between. And when you have so few pathos and just so much like, oh, we got to add a joke here about 
Thor being embarrassed that Hulk punched him. We got to add a joke here about Valkyrie just being a very, very bad drunk. You know, it was it was so frustrating to me because I was like, I don't mind jokes, but you got to always have something to make us make us be able to feel with what Thor's going through. Because, hell, the like, you know, his his older sister is about to destroy Asgard. He, it, it's bothering him. And he's mm -hmm. he's now king and he has no idea how to handle the mantle. And it's all just kind of treated as a joke. So here's the thing, and you've mentioned this earlier. So Thor Love and Thunder is basically basically goes, you know what? We do need to have scenes of genuine pathos. And for the first two acts, it's mostly all regulated to uh, Christian Bale's gore character. Mm -hmm. And then, like, so it's like 80% him and then maybe 20% uh, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. Those are, like, mm -hmm. the only two characters that are getting actual, like, emotional moments scenes of of sincerity of them going through trial and tribulation mm -hmm. you know it, they're not just there for jokes mm -hmm. uh so that's it's just the two of them for the first two acts and then by the third act without getting into spoilers in the third act finally finally uh a uh, four gets to have some actual like development and um, and serious emotional moments and it's good they're good and, and and they're good right it's good and you're like oh great so taika watiti knows how to do this and can include them in his film in, in his thor films does it make you matter more or more upset than that he t that he knowingly took that for you that he knowingly took that long to do that um like in the movie or like in in, in the in this movie because this movie basically is now saying now we know, oh, he really knows how to do those. And he waited a really long time. Does that, now, did that annoy you? Okay. So my, uh, so Thor Love and Thunder fixes that problem with Ragnarok. Sure, 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 sure. But then Thor Love and Thunder decides, hey, you know how we put like four jokes in every scene? Mm -hmm. How about we do eight jokes in every scene, 10 jokes in every scene? And he doubles down on the comedy, right? And... The worst part is he goes like, okay, where can I surround most of my comedy around? Oh, Thor and Korg and then Valkyrie. So Thor is still mostly there just to either be the butt of a joke or to make a joke or to participate in a joke. Mm -hmm. And it's just so freaking frustrating because this is a Thor movie, you know? Listen, Thor shouldn't be the 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 funny sidekick when he's supposed to be the lead of a thor movie and i was just so frustrated for the first two acts because i'm like everything about him is a joke like the whole thing the, like even even him explaining his, how he feels about jane to jane right is is in the midst of him being a joke in the sense of like oh he can't talk or he or he has no idea the right words to choose you know he's stumbling on his words right and it's just so frustrating. And then the third act hits. And we finally get the balance of Thor of, oh, he's funny. He's supposed to be a funny character, but he's also a noble warrior. We finally get that in the third act. And I was just like, why couldn't we have this for the entire movie? Like, like what? Did you think you were going to lose like uh, running time for a joke if you made him a bit more serious? I, I, I don't understand because Taika Waititi is a co-writer and the director of this. 
I just, I just don't understand. Because again, you see it in the third act. You're like, okay, this is the perfect blend of comedy and pathos. But why couldn't you do this for the previous two acts, right? And then, you know, there's there's the problem I have that the movie takes a detour for no good reason. I mean, they get something out of it. But honestly, the detour only exists to get a weapon and to... Um, to set up the introduction of future Marvel characters. I didn't mind that because it, at the end of the day, the detour didn't last that long. Well, I mean, it was a good chunk of the second act. It felt like 20 minutes, which I know is a good chunk, but it Yeah, because this movie's under two hours. This is true, but it just... And you also had to establish, we needed to finally see the world of where all these gods are coming from. Like, all these gods are dying. Well, where are they all coming from? Or where... Like we needed, we needed a place where we saw a bunch of them together, and I was okay with that. Okay, so I'm glad you brought up gods dying because, and this isn't a necessarily a Taika Waititi critique. This is just a Marvel Studios wide critique. Mm-hmm. So all all our heroes call Gore Gore the God Butcher because he's been killing a bunch of gods. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: you only really see him kill one god, which is the the god in the prologue. Everything else, it's either the Guardians of the Galaxy telling you he's killed people, Thor telling other characters he's killed people, or him telling other characters that he's killed gods. You only see him kill one. And I'm like, again, this isn't a Taika Waititi critique. Marvel is so bad at this where, like, to establish, like, how bad a villain is, they just have characters talk about it instead of showing it. You're right. Marvel does this a lot. They they really do, like... uh, they did this with uh, the villain of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Ronan the Accuser, right? It's like, oh, he's such bad news. He's crazy. He's this. And you're like, you don't really see it. You just see him want a stone, but you don't really see him be like the genocidal maniac who who wants I, to kill and an see, entire planet. I guess I disagree with you on that front because they made the performance that was given in that in that villain role was so just over the top and bloodthirsty that it kind of made up for it for me. Okay. Okay. Well, you also got, uh, um, you also got the, the dark elves. You got, no, no, that's the big one is the dark elves where it's literally like, even though that you can tell the actor playing the dark elf leader is giving it his all, man, it's like, we're just being told how scary they are. No one gives a shit otherwise. Or, or how about like, no, you're right. I agree with that. Or how about, like, we only find out Ego is the bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 after he says, oh, by the way, it kills your mom. Yeah, there you go. That's a bad one. Hell, even um, even in Black Panther with Killmonger, we just see the amount of kills he's had. Yeah, yeah, Killmonger. Like, oh, he's a badass warrior who's going to be big trouble. Why? Oh, they just pull up a screen with, like, his confirmed kills when he was, like, a special ops for the United States government. It, yeah. This is a Marvel problem. And they continue this with Gore, uh, where it's like, in order to establish how bad news he is, instead of showing him killing gods, they just have characters talk about how he's killed gods. It's odd that they knew not to do this with Thanos, so you'd think they'd start not doing it with other villains. I know, that's the crazy thing. you think after Infinity War and Endgame, they'd stop doing this. It's like, okay, because they dedicated, because they realized what was the genius of the, the, not I don't want to go to say genius, what was really smart about the two, I'll just say the Thanos Avengers movies, 
was they realized the first one, they realized Thanos had to be the protagonist. And that was so smart. That was so, or not the protagonist, but it had to be, he had to be the main character of that one. Because mm-hmm. they realized Marvel fans have been waiting so long. If we don't really deliver on this with him, like we're fucked. So they understood that with that one. And then, you know, for the second one, they did him decently, but they realized, okay, now we have to have the Avengers kick his ass. But that's the thing is, like, for some reason, after the fir- those two Avengers movies, you know, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, they, they didn't figure that. They decided, oh, but now we can go back. It's like, wait a minute. No, that worked, guys. Keep doing And hell, it worked with, like, featuring Loki a lot. It's like, no, okay, when you're seeing what works, but then you're actively not doing it. It, 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 it seems to me that after, after okay, after, uh, after the Infinity War and Endgame, you either, it was only the two Spider-Man movies and Shang-Chi that had villains that showed you that literally showed you, hey, these yeah. guys are bad news, right? And it's like, so like you're seeing what's worse, and maybe that's the sign that they're slowly changing, because that's a quite a few newer movies to do this. But it's like, it's like, man, you're 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 just not quite learning well, yet. Are okay, you? actually, let me take that back. So, the Spider-Man movies again, even though Kevin Feige produces them, they're mostly under the Sony banner. So True. Sony doesn't necessarily have to follow the the guidelines that Disney sets out. Now, Shang-Chi, uh, it has a great villain for, like, the first two acts, but then they do a switcheroo on who the real villain is, and the real villain also falls into that same problem where they just say, oh, this thing is bad news. This thing just wants to destroy all of reality, and it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, what? You had a great villain there. Why couldn't you keep them as the villain for, like, the entire movie? Why did you have to do that switcheroo? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay. Okay. So that's, that's again, the, the, that, that's a Marvel problem that they always seem to have. I don't know why, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and I guess, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. No, they do it. They really do it a lot. Yeah. And it just makes no sense because like you've mentioned this before, uh, a film is only really as good as its villain. Right. But Spe- specifically with Super- superhero movies. Yeah, with superhero movies. I, like I that's, just... You need a good villain. That's why. Why do you think they get the, the award winning actors to play the villains? There's a reason Ex- for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, guys, put it together. Like, there's a reason why they got Sir Ian McKellen to be Magneto, okay? Yeah. There's a fucking reason why they did that. They're like, uh, yeah. we need a. They. Sony at least understood, and to an extent, Marvel does seem to understand this. They just don't use it right. They're oh. like, we ha- we literally hired a classically trained actor to play Magneto. We better fucking feature him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, what the fuck? So, um, we we'll get back to Christian Bale in particular later on, but yeah, I, I guess, and I, I think you and I might might be both in agreement with this, um. Chris Hemsworth seems to be having a blast playing Thor. Oh, he loves it. Yeah, I think he he understands, and I think eventually Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. will too. No, that, now they do because well, no, they're you're no, I know I know what you mean. Eventually, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, that that you know, it's like no, hey, Robert Downey Jr. won't get it until after um, Sherlock Holmes comes out. Then he'll yeah. get it. Where it's like, hey, these movies keep me on the A list. These movies bring food on the table. And honestly, outside of just 
working out and being very healthy. They don't demand a lot of me. I shouldn't walk away just because it's like, oh, I want bigger and better things. Like, I think Chris Hemsworth gets it because every time he tries to not be Thor, for some reason or another, the movie never does well. It's so sad. With the that they... exception of Extraction, because they're getting yeah. a sequel. Extraction, a direct-to-Netflix movie, is his only like, like unadulterated, like full-on hit. That isn't which, Thor. Which is why he's pushing it for a franchise because he's like, oh, I, I need I need something else. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, like obviously he knows that his quote unquote Oscar bait movies will never make money. Those hardly ever do. It's very rare that they do. Honestly, but- the, the only one of the only actors to break away from the Marvel grip fully. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. But she was sort of a list right before she did uh, Black Widow. So she had. Yeah, because yeah. remember she was in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. You're right. No, she you're was right. in a she Nolan was, movie. She was, crit- she was already critically pretty beloved. You're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and so Chris Hemsworth gets that like, hey, I I probably shouldn't be like, oh, I don't want to do Thor anymore. That would yeah. not be financial. Like he has like what, uh, four or five kids now. <laughs> he has a lot of kids. He has a lot of kids. He has mouths to feed. And uh, and and multiple. Huh? He has a home in Australia. He has a home in L. A. And does he have a? I think he has one. I think he has one in. Uh, does he have a condo in London or something? I don't mean to sound like the creepy, like I'm stalking him, but no, like, I, I think he has a condo in like. Is his wife from Spain or Brazil? Yeah, he he, he has Wherever a house. His wife's from. They have yeah, a house or condo. They have a house there. So he's at least three properties that he has. Yeah, to also so take so yeah, he, he yeah, um, but you know. There's that benefit that he obviously has fun play. I mean, obviously, this is the role that made him a a household name. Uh, he's having fun with it. Um, even though I've complained about Taika Waititi turning Thor into a comedic character, mm-hmm. it's very obvious that it wouldn't have happened if Chris Hemsworth didn't okay it. Chris Hemsworth seems so much more comfortable playing Thor in a comedic way than he ever did playing him seriously as a warrior or... Well, as an actor, it's probably it is probably even the slightest. There is a there is more depth to playing a comedic god than it is a noble god. There is more act for the actor. There is more depth to that. I, I mean, I would say it's easier because Chris Hemsworth is just a funny guy. He's really yeah. funny. Well, that, and that's the other thing. Him, him, him and his three brother, him and his two brothers are like super funny. Well, that thing is not every actor could do that though. That's the thing. Not every actor could, yeah. because he can only be the funny Thor because as you said, he is funny. I mean, like everyone agrees. He's the funniest thing in the t- 2016 Ghostbusters movie. Yep. He, he has the funniest scene in, uh, in the, uh, 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 National Lamp- that? Yes, that's what I was going to say. National Lampoon Vacation movie. No, that, and it's the only fo- scene that I actually laughed in that whole movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, he, he obviously likes playing comedy. And I'm guessing that when Taika Waititi signed on to do Thor Ragnarok, he was totally on board on playing Thor in a comedic way. Mm-hmm. And he's very on board doing that now. So, yeah. you know, listen, I get it. You know, he he is like John Hamm. He has a pretty face. He has a A-list body. But deep down, he's just a really, really funny Australian. And he wants people to know he's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, John I Hamm's just, not Australian, though. But yes, no, I, no, no, but I you know what I mean. That John Hamm has, like, these leading like, man good looks. But yeah. he he's genuinely just wants to be, like, a comedic actor. Yeah, because people forget John Hamm's 
fucking hilarious. I mean, John Hamm is one of the funniest parts in Bridesmaids. Oh, he's a, he's he's up there. Yeah, he's very <laughs> that opening scene with him is fantastic. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So he obviously is having fun with it. He's very he's been playing Thor for what over? Yeah, he's been playing Thor for a decade now. Over a decade. Yeah. Well, a lot of these actors at this, if they're still in it, they've been playing that character. Yeah. Is he? So, wait, is he? Is he now the longest lasting original? Yeah, he is. Well, no, no. Uh, Hulk is still there. No, but but uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo started playing Hulk in 2012. Oh, you're and, right. And, yeah. uh, and uh, Chris Hemsworth started playing Thor in 2011. Mm, gotcha. So he's obviously having a fun time doing it. And I. the only thing I can say about his performance is that I just wish it wasn't so comedic in the first two acts. I just wish he wasn't the butt of the jokes in the first two acts. But mm-hmm. by the third act, I get that balance I really liked in Infinity War. And I think when it, you know, even though I was like, oh, God, took a while, but I'm glad you're finally treating this seriously. When he was treating it seriously, I, I believed it. I was like, because, you know, when there's like that tonal tonal shift that can be pretty abrupt, you, mm-hmm. you kind of don't buy it anymore. You know, but I'll give credit to Taika Waititi. Like he does those tonal shifts where you go from like funny to serious, and I believed it. I believed mm-hmm. it when when Thor was was grieving, when Thor was like was like really really in a in a very deep moment of sadness. I believed it. Mm-hmm. I and you know any other actor who hadn't been playing Thor as long as Chris Hemsworth had, I'd probably be like, you were literally making a joke like two minutes ago about uh about kids learning how to uh, how to kill things mm-hmm. and now you're crying. I can't believe I can't buy that. But with Chris Hemsworth, I, I totally buy it. So, yeah, no, I, I, you're right. For Taika to be able to do what he does and for the reason why a lot of people accept it is because of Chris Hemsworth ability. Without a yeah. Doubt. Yeah. The just his, his acting ability is, is quite, quite good in that. Now, now to Christian Bale proper as gore. Yes. Straight up, for my opinion, he's the best part of the movie. He he, and here's the thing: this is what this movie understands. It's like you got to make sure the villain is the best part, and he is. He is the dramatic pull for all for most of it for yeah. a while, as you said. And his opening scene is, which is the the first scene in the movie, which I think was a very smart choice, is great. Yeah, I. Here's the thing, like. Any other actor to do the whole like, like, cause, cause you know the 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 him from him going to like, oh my my God, what is your what is your revelation to now I'm gonna kill you with this sword, it, it, it's written in an awkward way, mm-hmm. but Chris Hemsworth is such an incredible acting talent that you never you stumble. Christian Bale. Christian Bale, yeah, Christian Bale is such a incredible acting talent. That, that you never for once go like, wait, that was a fast jump. You know what I mean? You know, like how sometimes beats are just too close to each other that you're like, that that makes no sense, you mm-hmm. know? Because like what? That whole prologue was probably 12 minutes. No, shorter than that. Maybe you 10, think? maybe eight. Okay. Eight minutes, right? So eight, 10 pages of a, of a script. Mm-hmm. And you go from like asking your God, what is the big plan of it all to like, now I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, any other actor, I'd be like, though, that was a big jump. I, I didn't believe that. But with Christian Bale, I, I totally, totally believed it. And that's just a credit to his monumental acting talent. Now, the way he plays Gore is quite interesting because he goes from grieving father to not Joker, but kind of like he, he goes to, you know what it is, actually? He gives off, let me emphasize, minor, very minor Pennywise vibes. Yeah, yeah. That... It's, not, it's not clown. Let me emphasize. It's not clown. But he's reveling in what he's doing. Yes. He's, he's, he loves it. He's he, like, revels, yeah. he revels in his fatalistic nihilism. Yeah, because he's, he's, he was deprived for years of any kind... He was, it's kind of like he was at the bottom and in one with literally what is the equivalent of a cheat code, ended up at the top so suddenly. And he no longer has the one thing he, that kept him going, trudging along at the bottom. So suddenly when you don't have that, suddenly his original identity is gone and he handles that really well. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm going to embrace this fully. I'm going to, I'm going to go with this fully. It's almost like his original character, Christian Bale, seem, it seems like he came up with this, like, all I am is a dad. And now that I'm not a dad, what am I? Well, now all I am is going to have a good time doing what I want to doing this one task. Yeah. Like, yeah. hell, he's, he's not even really, like, when he's strolling around as, like, with with his sword he he doesn't really his fighting style he doesn't know how to use it he's just sort of it's not like he's being silly with it though it's just like he'll literally just instead of carrying his sword properly actually you know what it is you know what he walks like you've seen seven samurai right? yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say he sort of goes around like what's that character's name in seven samurai the uh, the, the 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 seventh samurai who isn't really a samurai yeah he walks around like played that by guy. toshiro mifune yeah, he walks around like Tashiro Mathune with the, with this incredibly powerful weapon, and it works. It really yeah, works. Yeah, he basically drags it, which is what you're not supposed to do with any sort of sword. But anyway, um, it it really is one of those things where I'm like, wow, Christian Bale is really giving it his all. Yeah. And listen, I, I think you would agree with this. So, you know, there are a lot of times, especially in Marvel movies. Also, Where, I know people. Sorry, I know people were like a little mad that he didn't quite look like a gore in the comics. Guess what, guys? These movies never quite do that. So let's get over that. Yeah, um, you know, I can always tell when a Marvel movie does it, but I guess because of you know the pandemic and you know scheduling, yeah. it was pretty obvious that I don't think Christian Bale was ever on the same set as Chris Hemsworth. He may have been for a fucking week, but most of, for the most part, he was not on the same yeah, set. Yeah, so basically the way the shots are designed is they, they do it in such a way where, like, very rarely do you have Gore's face and Thor's face in the same frame. Yeah. So that's when you can – that's the biggest tell of, like, like, if their full bodies are there but they're moving, that could always be a stunt double. Yeah. But if you have, like, a medium shot – and you make sure that one or the other's face isn't in there at the same time. That means they weren't on set at the same time. Which that gives more credence to Christian Bale's performance for being able to. That's exactly where I was going to go with this. Because a lot of that, and all actually not just him, all the actors performed that very well. Because 
And this is no shame to any actor. A lot of actors, for obvious reasons, find it very difficult to give a performance to someone that's either not the real person or not actually there. Yeah. Like so famously, the fact that all of them were actually able to do it very well. Christian Bale being the best is yeah, very impressive. Famously, uh, 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 Vin Diesel is not good at that. Oh, which, horrible. You can, which is, and we see it. <laughs> yeah. Imagine you get into a big argument with The Rock. The Rock doesn't want to be on set with you. So now you have to act like you're talking to him with a stand-in or over, over walkie-talkie, and it just doesn't work. No. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, Christian Bale, like, is doing a bang-up job as Gore. You know, the writing may not be super strong, but it's just so elevated by Christian Bale's performance that, mm -hmm. you know, I doubt he'll ever be like in the upper echelon of Marvel villains, but he's definitely going to be in the conversation of like top 10 because no, yeah, he's going to be in the top 10 based on his performance alone. Right. And I'm just, you know, it's always good to have Christian Bale in the, in a comic book movie. Cause you always know, like he's well, not going to, oh, oh, sorry. never mind. I yeah. He's not, he's not going to like just sleep through it, you know? Which, uh, I'll, that's kind of the opinion I have of another actor in this movie, but we'll get to them later. So, <laughs> Natalie Portman as Jane Foster slash Mighty Thor. Uh, it is very apparent she had a lot more fun making this than she did making uh, The Dark World. Well, to be clear, Natalie Portman, as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes... After the first one, she really wasn't down with being a part of it very often. Yeah, because it's... It, and I can't blame her for that. It's Basically, she's... Jane was not given much to do. Yeah, she's just there to be the love interest, or if she's lucky, to explain how the science works. Um, she admits that she took on Thor because, you know, it's like, oh, this fun kids movie for my soon-to-be-born child to see. And... Then obviously she was contractually obligated to do the Dark World, and she very famously asked Kevin Feige, "Hey, can you hire a woman director to direct Thor: The Dark World?" And uh, Kevin Feige hired Patty Jenkins, and then Jenkins, Feige, and the Marvel Studios committee could not agree on the direction to take the Dark World, so she dropped out, and then. Uh, Natalie Portman wanted to drop out and Marvel was like, no, we're enforcing our clause for you to do this. Yeah, you have, we are, we're, you signed up and you have to. And yeah, so it's no surprise that like when Marvel, when Kim Feige came up and said, hey, would you like to do Thor 3 or would you like to be in Age of Ultron? And she's like, no, fuck off. Yeah, right? screw you. Yeah, and imagine the balls it took Taika Waititi to be like, you know, I want to do, I want to bring back Natalie Portman. I want to do a uh, mighty Thor. And Feige was like, well, you ask her cause she doesn't want to talk to us. And she, he was able to convince her to sign on. You know, it was like, Hey, you're going to, you're basically going to be a superhero too. And your storyline is going to be very engaging. And listen, everything, everything he probably pitched to her to, to bring her back. It is on the screen. And very mm -hmm. rarely do you see that, you know, you always get a pitch. Actors always talk about how like, wait, we were pitched this and that didn't end up happening or that didn't yeah. end up making it to the final cut. But yeah. it really seems like the things Natalie Portman said that interest her to come back were are there. were there, right? You know, without getting too much into spoilers, I would say outside of Christian Bale's gore, uh, she has a lot of the emotional heavy lifting to do, right? Yeah. Well, definitely when when... Espe they it's cut here's you know you know what it is i just realized 
Gore holds the first half of the emotion, and then in the sec- at the halfway point of the movie, that literal emotional torch is passed to Natalie Portman. Yeah, and she does a really, really good job of handling it. And oh yeah, like really, really good. Like you believe it, you know. And again, I may not be Taika Waititi's biggest fan, but at the very least, he knew that. Oh, I prob. Well, okay, he falters a little bit, like at the end of the second act. But he usually treats the trials and tribulations Jane Foster has as serious. He falters a little bit at the end of the second act where he makes a joke that I was like, oh, really? You're going to joke about that? But, you know, for the most part, he keeps it as serious and as sober as as somber as it needs to be. Um, Now, to the Thor aspect of it all. Holy fuck, Natalie Portman got jacked. No, yeah, it's she. Listen, Natalie Portman. It's actually funny. I was gonna say like, both her and Christian Bale have gone through it really shocking and incredible <coughs> body transformations in different movies. Uh, Christian Bale has definitely done maybe a few, quite a few more intense. Is more known for being do, doing more intense ones, but people forget Natalie Portman did Black Swan, and the shit she had to go through physically to do that. My God was intense like so, very intense biceps are here's the funny thing obviously they couldn't make her taller natalie portman is famously a very very short woman yeah you know but it's so funny to see this short woman with just massive biceps and it's like wow you get it you knew that you had to be built to be mighty thor and and yeah. it works you know yeah. she, she, she i don't know what she did but damn she worked hard at it yeah because uh, it, it could have been it, it, it would have been so easy for her to look ridiculous in the Thor outfit. It really would have because, you know, she's a tiny she's petite, a petite woman. She's a t- petite person, yeah. Right? And, but she, she makes it work. Credit to her yeah. that you never look at her and like, oh, that looks – you look like you're cosplaying your boyfriend. Um, yeah. So she it, her she was because that's the thing is with, at that last scene in the trailer when people saw her hold it and they saw her her muscles – Everyone was like, holy shit. Yeah, it's like, wow. And everyone, Chris, Chris, and everyone knew it was not special effects. You could tell in two seconds. Yeah, you're like, wow, Chris Hemsworth is, wasn't the only gym rat in that production. Nope. Um, and, you know, kind of also talking about how they portray her relationship with Thor, I would say that's one of Taika's strengths in this is that there's a montage that shows us how their relationship was between uh Thor the Dark World and the end of Age of Ultron. We kind of see a montage of what that relationship was like. And I got to say, I I was very, very happy. I was like, wow. You know, it, it, yes, it leans a little bit on the silly comedy, but this genuinely feels like how their relationship would have been like that we never got a chance to see. Because, she, yeah, we never understood why they cared about it, why he was in love with yeah, her. Yeah, because, you know, he, he's still with her during Age of Ultron, it's just that we she's not in the movie because Natalie Portman said fuck off. Mm-hmm. But we see so little of them just being lovers that I was yeah. like, even though they had good chemistry in the first one, I was like, well, you like when he goes like, oh, Jane's the best. I love Jane so much. And I'm like, I'm like, OK, I, I know you guys have great chemistry, but I really don't buy that you guys are in love with each other. And that little montage was like, oh, I totally see how they were in love with each other. I get it. It's sweet. It's such a nice little moment. Natalie Portman, Chris Hemsworth, they milk that chemistry for what it's worth. Yeah. And Taika Waititi 
genuinely directs the hell out of that. And whoever edited this movie also edited the hell out of that montage. It was very sweet. I really liked it. Mm -hmm. It was. Yeah. Now, on to uh, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. Yes. Did you get the sense that she really didn't care to be there? No. I thought she enjoyed it. I thought... I didn't get that at all. I, I just felt it was more of the same of what she was doing in uh, Ragnarok. You know, being drunk, being cynical, and, you know, just being snarky. I, I, because I, I, think, I think they realized it worked. And also, at, at the end, she, she simply decided... So at the end of Ragnarok, she simply decided to be on the good guy's side, not to change as a person. And in this movie, at the end of it, she kind of realizes, oh, I need to actually do something better now. I need to... Well, I can't... Because I think for her, it was... She, for, she, for so long... She, she realizes she can't go through the motions. And I think that was part of the performance, honestly. Uh, honestly, my, my big thing was that, like, it just, like, the film starts out with her, a montage of her not really enjoying being king of Asgard. Like, because new Asgard has basically become super corporate. <laughs> Ironically, in a Disney movie, we see kind of the downfalls of being in, like, a super corporate, family-friendly environment. Mm -hmm. But... She, it seems like her whole thing is kind of moving on past being king of king of New Asgard. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of goes to Cord literally telling her, oh, you're just sad because your 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 lover died by Hela's hand when you guys went to try to kill her. Like in that flashback we saw in Ragnarok. And she goes like, yeah, that makes me sad. And I kept thinking to myself like, wait, so... So it's not that she heavy wears heavy is who wears the crown. It's oh she's still moping about her dead Valkyrie girlfriend, and you had to tell us this, okay? And I, I also think it didn't help that just Valkyrie just seems like someone who just doesn't want to be anywhere, and she still has that characterization here. Weirdly enough, hmm. um, and then at the end they basically they basically give her something to do to be happy about herself, and I was like. Well, I like that her character has direction now. I just wish it had direction during the first uh, 100 and, 110 minutes of the movie. But I don't know. Uh, Tessa Thompson, I, I think, is a good actress. She's she's obviously one of the best parts in uh, the Creed movies. But oh yeah, I don't know, man. I just I just felt like I just felt she. Not that she, she was also works really it. well with Lakeith Stanfield. In oh Sorry yeah. To you. Oh like, yeah. For the record, that's she does a great job working alongside him. It's yeah. amazing. I honestly feel like she was not sleepwalking through it, but just kind of going through the motions. I don't um, know. I, I, maybe I that's because think... I really wish they gave her something more to do. Hmm. You know, she kind of just goes like, "Yes, Thor, I'm going to go with you on this on this adventure to get an army. Yes, Thor, I'm going to go with you to fight Gore. Oh, Thor, I got to stay here now." And that's really it. And at that point, I'm like, oh, you know. Like, I felt like they gave Korg more to do than they gave her. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think she had, she got more of an emotional arc than Korg did. But just Korg, hel Korg helped her along the way for that. Well, I would, I would say Korg explained her emotional arc to her. And she just said, like, yeah. Like, literally, she just goes, like, yeah. Mm. And the, the thing with Korg is, like, his thing, at least, is, like, he, uh... <laughs> Okay, so at the beginning of the film, Thor is gifted these two goats. <laughs> Here uh, we go. Bone Crusher, Bone Crusher, and uh, 
and Teeth Gnasher. But mm-hmm. basically, they're the goats he has in the mythological Norse mythology. Yes. You know, his two goats that lead his chariot. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a big critique about the goats. Yeah. But he, he gets these goats, and Korg says, oh, there's a certain whistle that'll get the goats to come to you. Mm-hmm. And Korg's whole thing throughout the entire movie is that he can't remember how to whistle it. And then mm-hmm. at the climax, or uh, at the at the end of the second act, he remembers, he finally figures out how to do the whistle. And that's his like character growth where he goes like, oh, wow, I did it. I did it. I can't believe I did it. And I was like, well, see, Korg had something to do. Valkyrie, mm-hmm. what the fuck? What are you, you're just kind of there. And then at the end, they give her something to do. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I hope if they make a fifth Thor movie or whatever they else. Will. And they will. Or whatever else that has a has a Valkyrie in it, I hope that they kind of be like, okay, she's on this path now. Let's let's work with this because I think Valkyrie can be an interesting character. You know, she's the last of her of her warrior class. You know, there's mm-hmm. no other Valkyries. I I feel like there is something you can do there with her. You just have to. I know. legit think there's a potential really good. Um disney plus series about yeah her, yeah that's where exactly like, where you i'm see thinking her, she's reconciling fully reconciling her past with the training of the new valkyries and running new asgard yeah you can have chris hemsworth appear like once or twice throughout it or or you could have her be in like season two of loki or something just yeah. give her oh, give her yeah, something be to cool. do because i really did feel like she was just tagging along just because it's like well we don't just want it to be jane and thor we let and korg we got, or we don't want Korg to be the third wheel. So Valkyrie, you're coming too. Mm-hmm. Um, now Korg, uh, like I said earlier in this uh, Taika review, Taika does the voice of Korg, right? Am I not? Yeah, he Korg? does the voice of Korg. Okay, and I what I was gonna say is that I really don't like Taika Waititi's acting performances. I really don't. We've noticed, Al. Right. Korg is like the one that I tolerate. Mm-hmm. It's the one where it's on. It's ironically he plays he's the playing most, like a New Zealander Kiwi kind of. Well, it's not just that. It's the fact that he's playing this crazy rock alien, but he's mm-hmm. pretty low key about it. Yeah, you know, so he's not. You would think he'd go like like his bad guy character in Free Guy is more zany than Korg, and Korg's a literal mm-hmm. alien made out of rocks. Yes, this um, is true. So he's there to tell jokes. He really is. Mm-hmm. And at times I was like, oh, for the love of God, shut up with the jokes. There is one moment in the movie that I was like, oh, shit, did, did the movie just do what I think it did? Mm-hmm. And it's just to set up another joke. And I'm like, oh, mm. again, I didn't mind him. I just wish he would stop with being with making some sort of joke every this and there. Mm-hmm. And and now to kind of tie into the thing with the goats. Mm-hmm. This isn't a spoiler because it's just a joke. Mm-hmm. So the goats don't ba. They do that scream that you see in that YouTube viral video of a goat screaming. Mm-hmm. That's all they do. Instead of buying, they just do that ah scream. All the time. All the time. They do it at least. Would you say 15 times in this movie? I'd say, I'd say a solid dozen. A solid dozen. Yeah. After the fourth time, I started rolling my eyes. But you know what I was doing as I was rolling my eyes? 
I was laughing because it was so stupid. No, but here's the thing. You were here's the thing, Al. I understand it. You you thought it was stupid, but you laugh. And 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 actually, <laughs> I mean, there, hey, there are mo- there are moments of it that are really funny. No, no, there are there are there are at least ironically like four instances of the of them screaming where it's really funny. Like yeah. I can't deny and say it's not funny. But there's there- actually also there's a subtle line that I remembered. So remember when he's gifted the goats and it's by that the this prayer group of a god of theirs that had been just defeated. Yeah. So Thor saves them, but he destroys their temple in the process. And so the leader of these, you know, devotees to a dead god, like, they're kind of, like, happy that Thor saved their life, but mad that he he saved their lives, but mad that he uh, destroyed their temple. So they give him a gift, and they give him the screaming goats as, like, a gift. And the leader of the devotees for for the god, he says something really funny, which, by the way, I pointed out to Al in the theater. The leader of them is played by an actor who was in Game of Thrones, he plays one of the maesters, um, the one that helps um, what, the the bad maester is the only way I can say it. Like sort of the one that's a little creepy. The Anyways, the one the one that helps Cersei. Yeah, the one that helps Cersei. Okay. So at one point though, he says this really subtle line that's actually really good. He gives the goats, and he goes, "All right, I've get." He goes, "I have given them to you, and now you cannot take them back. Goodbye." And he's like, "Because <laughs> he, he knew they sucked." He's like, <laughs> And that's really funny. It's like you can't you can't take them back. Goodbye. Yeah, it's like, yeah. No, that's the, great. Like, listen, and everyone in our theater kept laughing when the goats kept screaming. It, it's just it's just so silly. But it's one of those things where I'm like, uh, you could cut out seven of those of those comedic beats. Yes, but and here's, and I'd and, say and, I'd say six of them work really well. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They work, but. But Most notably, when they there's a moment when they fly through where all the gods are hanging out, and you just as it's shattering through the sh- the stained glass window, you just hear. Ah! No, that was the thing. Uh, when 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 they come in, like the mo, because you know you know. You know when you're watching a movie and there's just such an obvious setup for a joke that you know what the joke's gonna be, mm-hmm. and I was like, they're gonna come in screaming. <laughs> Gonna... <laughs> they're gonna come in screaming through the glass, and I was like, I was like, that's what they're gonna do, and they do it, and I still laughed because it's just like you know, there's there's just some jokes, there's just some things that no matter no matter how many times you see them, even when you know it's old and like worn out, you still laugh. And there's that was... also so I have to admit, there's another joke sequence of jokes that you liked the entire time. Okay, and that's. Thor's relationship with Mjolnir, his hammer, and his new axe. Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. It, that actually really worked, and it was just done the exact perfect amount of yes, times. Yes, yes. Maybe that, that, one too many, if that. No, well, I, I would argue that it, it was it was perfect, and it actually kind of led into the, the climax, on, ironically yeah. enough. So um, Thor obviously misses Mjolnir and because you know it was his first it was his first <laughs> weapon yeah and uh, uh and you never, you, know, get, you never forget your first right and he he always wonders like hey am I still worthy to to hold Mjolnir right and Stormbreaker so so people forget Mjolnir and Stormbreaker are sentient mm-hmm. they're they're sentient and 
there have been moments in the comics where we sometimes hear what Thor hears when the, he talks to his weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the time, you, you, you just see Thor reacting towards his weapons. So they're sentient. So Thor is like, I wonder if I'm still worthy to hold Mjolnir now that it's owned by Jane. And Stormbreaker takes it as, oh, he, he wants to fuck around with his old, with his ex, with his ex weapon. And, and Stormbreaker gets mad. <laughs> and, and there are moments where we see Stormbreaker react to uh, Thor being wistful about Mjolnir. And it's always funny. But yeah. unlike the goat jokes... They do this just the right amount of time, and then they talk. It's all visual because there's nothing spoken. Yeah, it's just the way the axe creeps up at times. Yeah, so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And Chris Hemsworth sells it for all it's worth when he goes like, "Stormbreaker, oh, come here! I I was looking for you. I missed you." Yeah. There's a moment when he's trying to call. Mjolnir over and then the axe just out of the side of the frame just sort of appears <laughs> and it's like oh yeah I was just calling I was calling you I was calling yeah. you yeah <laughs> um, and again not to get into spoilers but Stormbreaker plays a big part into the climax yeah and and Thor is basically like you are my weapon you are you make me mighty and it was it was like okay I like this joke because they're funny they didn't wear it out like they did with the goats and it ties into the climax, giving us stakes into the climax. That I did like. That was an example of a good visual joke that did not wear out its welcome. Even though, and again, I fully admit, every time the goat screamed, I laughed. But yep. it did wear out its welcome. It's like, now they're going to make the goat scream. <laughs> I knew they were going to do that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, now, uh, uh, some characters we didn't speak about were the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, they're, they're, they're just in there for like the first, what? ten fifth First act. They're there for the first act. Um, it bums me out that it, at least in this regard. So at the end of end game, you know, we were promised gardens, of the galaxy adventures with, uh, with Thor and, and the guardians of the galaxy. The Asgardians of the Galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. We were promised that. And I remember the moment Endgame ended and we I was walking into the theater with the guy I've seen it with. I go, I turned to him and I go, It's either either Thor's gonna leave in the first five minutes of Guardians of the Galaxy movie, or the Guardians of the Galaxy are Guardians of the Galaxy are gonna leave in the first five minutes of the next Thor movie, whichever comes first. They are not going to commit to this to this new setup. Do you think Thor is going to be in the first five minutes of the new Guardians at all? No, no, I don't. I don't. Mm. I I think because, again, Marvel has done this before where they're like, look at this new status quo. And then they literally throw it out like in the first five minutes. Like I've gotten burned enough times where I'm like, oh, wow, there's a new Avengers team. The, the next Avengers movies is going to be these guys. And it's like Civil War happens and all that gets thrown to the side. This is true. <laughs> like they do it over and over again. And I'm like. Again, I told my friend, my friend was like, no, like Thor might be in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, like for the whole movie. I'm like, that's not going to happen. That When has that happened? When, ha- when when has that ever happened where they change the status quo and you're like, oh, man, like we literally had one movie uh, that one movie's worth of or, or one one superhero movie of the Avengers being broken up. 
and it only got referenced once. So no, it's it's not going to happen. So this is true. This so is true. so it was it was one of those because then like the next movie was Infinity War and the the Avengers are back together again. Mm-hmm. What up, yada. So. You know, if you were expecting them to be there or to show up in the third act, they don't. They don't. I mean, you know, they're off doing whatever they're going to be doing with James Gunn. I mean, really, the only one who has any lines are uh, 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 Chris Pratt as Peter Quill, who has a mm-hmm. monologue with Thor. And then uh, Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon, who just has like a couple jokes here and there. Yeah. Like... Like I, I think Drax just said like two lines. Yeah. I, I think Nebula didn't say any lines except get out of the way. And no, Nebula also did the um she tried to whistle. That was actually that was actually really funny. No, that wasn't that. Nebula. That was that um was, oh, that, no, was, that was um uh, what's, her, what's name? her name? Mantis. Mant that was really funny when Mantis tried to whistle. Good on that actress for yeah. like So Mantis No Sean Gunn is back as um uh, the the ravager who now wears Yandu's like like a fin on his head. Yes. Uh, so I was really mad that Sean Gunn wasn't in Infinity War or or Endgame because I was like, hey, he's the Guardian of the Galaxy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he's here, and I'm like, okay, great. And he has a really he has one of the funnier jokes of the movie, which he sells it completely. Where <laughs> where Peter Quill tells him. Hey, buddy, you can't be making big decisions like that. And then he, he gives him the punchline, and it's just so funny. And I was like, okay. So, yeah, they're there for, like, the first 10 minutes, and it's fun. Um, you know, they, they don't do anything to set up Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So no, which I'm, if, I've seen some, uh, some photos from the set, and I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, too, but I was just kind of surprised. It just felt like such a logical way to be like, Oh, what are what are the Guardians of the Galaxy going to be doing? But also, they're... apparently, there's going to be a Christmas special of some kind. With yeah, Guardians. so the Christmas special is going to set up Volume Three. Is it a full in theaters movie or is it a Disney no, no, special? no? It, it's it's like a thirty minute Christmas special. Okay, and it's going to set up the movie. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to set up Volume Three. Um. So yeah, that's the Guardians of the Galaxy. Finally, we have Russell Crowe as Zeus. Yes. Did you like his Zeus? Absolutely. I thought it was fun because, and it may actually, the casting choice makes sense too when you really think, obviously. Um, but I liked his Zeus because Russell Crowe also, contrary to what people think, well, no, people forget Russell Crowe is capable of actually being really funny. The greatest, the, a great example of this is the nice guys where he's really, he, he's got a subtle humor to him and he plays it quite well in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, for like the first five minutes when he's on screen, I was kind of iffy on his accent. But then I realized, oh, he's just doing an exaggerated, quote unquote, Greek accent for yeah. comedic effect. And I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. I I will say, though, that. So 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 he's he's basically the central part of the detour, which is uh, Thor, Jane, Valkyrie and Korg go to like this this uh, plane of the gods where they all get together to try to convince them to form an army to beat Gore. And Zeus is like, huh, no, we're not. That's stupid. Um, my biggest problem with that scene in general was just the fact that it, 
you could have gotten rid of it and the movie would have been exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like, I was totally expecting Gore to show up and be like, sup bitches. I'm about to kill a bunch of y'all, but instead they're just there to, they're literally just there just to pick up one of Zeus's thunderbolt. Yep. And it's like, well, you could have created a different type of scene that would have been more interesting than just, you know, having Chris Hemsworth in front of Russell Crowe and Russell Crowe gets him naked and we see his butt cheeks and a Loki tattoo that he has. <laughs> um, and again, it's funny, but you know, it's like, I don't know. I just felt like they could have done something to kind of make that be more relevant to the story in the sense of like, you know, whatever we do here, will obviously affect how the climax turns out. And it's only very tangible for me. It's very minor. Like, oh, so he has a thunderbolt in the climax instead of just his hammer and and his uh, battle axe. But but that being said, again, Russell Crowe is obviously having a blast doing it. Um, I have never seen a fat Zeus before. And I got to say that it's... uh, like I don't know, like like literally his uh, his uh, chest plate has a gut on it, so yeah, it it was interesting, and I think that's because both they might as they they leaned into it because I think they realized we can't ask Russell Crowe to muscle up for just this small of a role. No, yeah. he's not going to agree to that. Yeah, which um, is fair. Yeah, really. so, but but again, I I would say like he's not like the most offensive thing in the movie. He's fun, you know. You're just going to be like, well, that was kind of meaningless um mm-hmm. for the most part uh so yeah i think we've covered most of everything with thor uh see how about we give our ratings and then we kind of delve into spoilers for a bit sure so i was thinking about what this was and i remember i told you what the my rating was for it in the theater because i was just off my enjoyment of it and here here's where i'm at now this movie is what I'm going to... So, this is a fun movie. But, for me, you know when you're at a live baseball... Have you ever been to a live baseball game where the baseball where the plates are loaded and a home run is hit? Yeah. To me, at the, at the end, it felt like that. And let me be clear. What I mean by that, it's as if the bases were loaded and the guy struck out the first two times, okay? And then at the end, he does hit it. And it's just enough to get them across. So, and that's the most fun you can have. At the end of the day, is it a flesh experience? No. Why? Because somehow the team that hit that home, that amazing home run lost somehow. But it's a home run fun. That's what I give it. Mm-hmm. Home run fun. It's, it was so great, so enjoyable. Also, one other thing I want to add is that this had some of the coolest fights that I've seen in a Marvel movie in a long-ass time. But we'll mm-hmm. get into that a little later with spoilers. Okay. But because of that, I can't give it a full flush because I do see some of the problems with it. But it's a home run fun. Also, for the record, you should see this in theaters. And I liked this more than Ragnarok. Okay. This to me is a. This is a Taika Waititi Marvel movie, and what I mean by that is that if you are really vibing with Taika Waititi's sense of humor, you're gonna love love this movie. 
Um, if you love Taika Waititi and you love Marvel, you are going to absolutely love watching this in theaters. Um, if you are not a Taika Waititi fan or if you kind of all marveled out, it's still going to be worth seeing in theaters, but you're going to want to see it like the matinee showing or like maybe you want to see it before you go have dinner with your friends or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, the movie... I don't, you know, I still don't know if I like this more than I like Ragnarok. Really? Yeah, I still don't know. Because, again, it fixes a big problem I had with Ragnarok, which was that Ragnarok almost had no pathos whatsoever. So, but no, Thor Love and Thunder has pathos. Thor Love and Thunder has moments that was like the characters kind of dealing with the stuff that was happening in their lives and kind of, you know, dealing with it emotionally no joke to be had right hmm. but then when those scenes weren't happening it's like taika watiti was like so i had a longer emotional scene so i need to cram twice as many jokes into the next scene hmm. and uh, th that's the biggest thing i'm like well it has more of what i wanted but it also has more of what i didn't want <laughs> yeah it, it that that's interesting that you put it that way and i think yeah. that's yeah that's a good point to be unsure of then. Yeah, so if you love Taika Waititi and you love Marvel, by all means, you should have watched this opening night. Also, it, if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, to be clear, you'll love yeah, this movie. Yeah, you'll like this movie. If if you're like not a big Taika Waititi guy, but you like Marvel, yeah, watch this, you know, you can watch this like next weekend and you'll have you'll enjoy it. You'll be like, "Okay, it has more of what I would want in a Marvel movie, even though it had more of the Taika Waititi stuff that I'm not really into." If you're really into Taika Waititi but don't really care about Marvel, you're going to be like, oh, I love this Taika Waititi humor, but this Marvel stuff is so boring or so... Not what you're into. Not what you're into. So, yeah. I Again, like you, I do think this is something that should be seen in theaters just for the simple fact that, like, it's always fun to have a good time in theaters. Now, I will say this. If you still haven't seen Top Gun Maverick or Elvis, you should watch those two movies before you watch this because that, to me, would be a better value of a ticket sale that's oh, just no, that's yeah. just me personally me, to be clear out of these the three movies those three movies the thing you must see in theaters first because you don't have much time left is top gun maverick without a doubt yeah you have to of those three that is the one you have to see in theaters okay then elvis would is definitely it's definitely worth seeing in theaters but i would actually say if you're a superhero movie is always going to be most enjoyed in theaters at the end of the day yeah 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 I would say, but you know, a, lo a lot of people, a lot of people have been like debating whether this is better or worse than uh, Multiverse of Madness. I would say Multiverse, it's really interesting because this is very much a Taika Waititi movie and Multiverse of Madness is very much a Sam Raimi movie. Which do you think that's a sign of what Marvel's doing? They're allowing, they realized it's, it is of a benefit to give their directors a little more freedom? I, I don't know because uh, Eternals, is very much a Chloe Zhao movie yeah, in certain absolutely. scenes. And then the Marvel stuff just doesn't work whatsoever. But so, yeah, but I think they're realizing that they're, they can get the better directors if they give them a little more leeway. Um, I, I just think this is the thing. I think Sam Raimi made a Sam Raimi movie cause he's fucking Sam Raimi. Yeah. Right. I mean, for God's sakes, he was like, he was like a production. Kevin Feige was a production assistant when Sam Raimi was making Spider-Man. Um, in terms of Taika Waititi, I think it's more like, oh, Ragnarok did really well. We'll let him keep doing what he's doing. 
So yeah. I don't I I don't know if see I I don't know if like Sam Raimi made his movie because of the force of his will versus Taika Waititi making this movie obviously because Kevin Feige said yes you can. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I would say that uh, I liked Multiverse of Madness more just because a Elizabeth Olsen is a better villain and just has more to do. And B the Sam Raimi stuff in there really works. And I'm not like a huge Sam Raimi super fan, but when you watch multiverse of madness, you're like, fuck me. I haven't seen Sam Raimi do this stuff in years. Oh, it's so much fun. See, right? I don't, I, so you know how you said you weren't sure whether you like Ragnarok or love and thunder more. Yeah. I don't know if I like multiverse of madness or love and thunder more. I don't know which one I'm at on that because the thing with multiverse of madness is Multiverse of Madness had this inherent weakness of, at the end of the day, we agreed that it's a Scarlet Witch movie and not a um, Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. This is still a Thor movie at the end yeah. of the day. So uh, okay. that, me, that was a major problem I had with, with Multiverse. Let me put it to you this way. I much preferred the, the Scarlet Witch stuff in Multiverse of Madness versus the Thor stuff here. So Scarlet Witch over Gore is what you're saying? Thor. Thor. Oh, Thor. Because remember, sure. I, I'm not a big fan of comedic Thor. No, I know. But, but, but I really liked like, what they did with Scarlet Witch. Yeah, no, I think, obviously, what what they did with Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch needs her own something, whether it's a movie or Well, she had WandaVision. <laughs> That's true. But now she – I think I think they would be very smart to be like, you know what? We're going to give her a movie like mm-hmm. or something where it's genuinely – she's she is not sharing anything. It's mm-hmm. – it's genuinely just her because I think they, they have a real from a money standpoint. I think they've got a real cash cow with one with, with Scarlet Witch. Like they just need to do a Scarlet Witch something like a full yeah. on Scarlet Witch's adventures. Like I think yeah. that would really benefit them. Yeah. All right. So uh, now we can talk about spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers. have begun. Are be, are starting now. All right. So it's it's funny. Like multiverse Jane has cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was gonna, I, I, I was we gonna, gonna say, little, little no, more no, no, I, no, I was gonna talk about how like Multiverse of Madness was really hard to talk about because we didn't want to spoil that Scarlet Witch is the villain, which is like yeah. the first reveal, right? Yeah, it's but, early. But you know, all the all the reveals in, well, okay, so because she's so involved in the plot, or because her evilness is so central to the plot, it was really hard to talk about her in Multiverse of Madness, but. Because Jane herself is trying to hide the the cancer from everyone else, we can avoid talking about the cancer. Yeah. You know, because it's like, okay. It's not clear. Well, no, she has cancer, but it's not like the cancer, the, the movie depends on everybody knowing that she has cancer. Sure, sure, sure. So, but yeah, no, Jane has cancer and it's stage four. And uh, the movie doesn't explain how she got it. Well, this is actually really weird. So... I don't think it needed to, though. Well, well, so apparently Taika Waititi cut out like 45 minutes from this movie. Like this movie was going to be like like standard two and a half hours long and Taika Waititi cut it to under two hours. Wow. Um, and if you remember, uh, if you remember that uh, Jane, after we see her do chemotherapy, she's in her lab talking with Stellan Skarsgård's character, Dr. Selvig. Mm-hmm. about her blood 
And for a moment, I was like, oh, was was getting infected by the aether what gave you cancer? Ooh. Oh, that sucks. But then, you know, they never bring that up again. They never bring up what exactly caused her cancer. But I feel like that was going to be a plot point that her getting exposed to the aether caused her cancer. And going to As- New Asgard was her trying to find a way to... to um, to see if, if the Asgardians could do anything about it. Um, th- that's my theory, though. Just going mm-hmm. by the fact that uh, Taika Waititi said he cut out, like, 45 minutes from this movie. And the fact that, like, Dr. Selvig says, this is this is affecting your blood. This is affecting your ability to handle the cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that must be it. Because why else would some foreign thing cause her cancer? But, mm-hmm. they, they again, they never bring it up again. So I guess I made it to the cutting room floor. But yes, she has cancer, and uh, this is and this is kind of a, another complaint I had about the film. Uh, so they say she has like like six months left to live, mm. and after she becomes the new Thor, she gets sicker. And they say that Mjolnir's causing it. But they never explain how. Well, I, I more got the interpretation that Mjolnir wasn't doing anything to... Because she was no longer getting treatment in that sense. Because she was no longer feeling the effects of the... My interpretation of that, truly, and maybe I misunderstood, because she was no longer feeling the effects of said cancer with Mjolnir, because it's kind of like... It'd be like if you got completely numb to something but something was still killing you. You know what oh, I like mean? Oh, like if you had SIPA. Yes, yes. That was my interpretation. It's not like Mjolnir was actively doing something. It's that if you don't feel the effects anymore, you're not going to well, get better. So here was the thing, was that like when Thor says, if you use Mjolnir again, you're going to die. I was like, wait, they, they say she has like six months left to live, and now they're saying that she's dying. And, and listen, when we get introduced to Jane again, she's going through chemo, and you know... She looks normal, but then the first time she drops the hammer and goes back to Jane, she looks like she's been dying of cancer. She looks like she's about to die of cancer. So then I was like, well, well, was Mjolnir killing you? And that was never made clear, right? The fact that we kind of have to guess what exactly was going on with her and Mjolnir, I'm confused because so... The, so earlier we talked about that montage of their relationship between mm-hmm. uh, Thor: The Dark World and uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. So there's a moment in the in the montage where Thor tells Mjolnir, "I love her so much. I love her so much. Uh, if I wasn't around, you need to protect her, Mjolnir." And Mjolnir, basically, he inadvertently creates an in, a new enchantment on Mjolnir. Like his dad did, where he did the whole like, "Who shall ever wield this hammer? May he be worthy. Shall wield the power of Thor." So basically, Chris Hemsworth or Thor adds a a new en- enchantment to the to the to the hammer. Mm-hmm. So when Mjolnir senses that she's dying of cancer, it's like, oh, I have to protect you. But then, like at the climax, when Thor tells Jane, "Oh, the hammer's killing you," I'm like, how? And they never really made that very very clear. And I think, I I genuinely think Taika Waititi probably thought like, she's dying of cancer. That's all you need to know. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of that was kind of my big critique. Cause listen, the fact that they gave Thor's love interest uh, terminal cancer, I'm like, wow, they really are following the comic books. And 
that's you, you just don't see that every day where no, where you no. where you're like oh the love interest is dying of cancer there you go that's you it. know and for the most part taika which he treats it with a lot of seriousness and somberness except when jane finally admits to thor that she has cancer he goes like what and she goes like cancer i don't have cancer i don't know why i said cancer and that's when i was like taika really you're gonna make a joke about cancer what Oh, you were doing so well in this topic. Anyway. It so ended she, quickly, though. It yeah, yeah, yeah. It ended quickly. Um, uh, so after they leave the gods. Oh, so. So, yeah, she has cancer and she's dying and somehow Mjolnir is causing it or prevent or making it worse. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, they when they meet with Zeus, uh, Zeus and Thor have a fight and mm-hmm. Thor takes Zeus's thunderbolt and stabs him in the chest with it and Zeus falls down. So they're convinced they killed Zeus, so they run away from the gods and they're like, well, now what do we do? I guess we face gore on our own with this lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And see, you made mention of this earlier that one of the most creative fights is that uh, Thor, Jane, and Valkyrie go to like whatever home planet the sword is from yeah and everything is like totally black and white mm-hmm. everything's in black and white and hardly any sound exists and uh basically you have an extended fight scene between gore and thor valkyrie and jane that's in black and white with a bunch of chiaroscuro in it and credit to Atiti, it is a very creative looking fight oh it's great it's 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 so German great. expressionistic. Yeah. And that's what tells me it's interesting that like okay, so Taika is very capable of doing other things. He is just actively do, choosing to do what is making him popular right now. Mhm. But one thing I want to get into is not just this fight, but there's another fight and this is a spoilery, but as we mentioned earlier, Gorg abducts the kids. And so at the end, they need to fight Gore before he Wait, do we know what Gore's... Do, did we reveal yet what Gore's No, doing? no, I, I was going to get to that. I'll so, let you get to that. Okay. Yeah, so so they have this fight in black and white. It's really cool looking. Yeah. Um, Gore, Gore stabs Valkyrie in the stomach. And at first we're like, oh shit, is this it? Is Valkyrie going to die? Because earlier Valkyrie's like, I'm going to this mission because I want to die, quite frankly. You know, go mm-hmm. to Valhalla and all that. Mm-hmm. And... And uh, then it's like, oh, I guess she's going to die and go to Valhalla. Um, but she doesn't. They go back to Earth and New Asgard and Valkyrie goes to the hospital. And uh, Jane goes to the hospital and she's really, really dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Thor's like, OK, I guess I got to go. F- oh, well, before that, actually. So during the black and white fight, Jane realizes that. Gore wants to meet, go to the center of the universe and meet eternity. Mm-hmm. But the only way he can do that is by using a Bifrost to unlock the door. Which was clever that that's what they did. Yeah. So the only thing in the universe that creates a Bifrost is Thor's battle axe. Mm-hmm. So, so basically she's like, oh shit, he wants to, he wants to steal Thor's battle axe. And when Thor decides to take Valkyrie back to Earth to New Asgard so she can see a doctor, uh, right before they fly away, uh, Gore is able to steal the battle axe. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, 
So anyway, Thor leaves them at the hospital, tells Jane, do not use the hammer anymore because you will die. And he somehow knows how to use Zeus's thunderbolt to uh, transport himself to the center of the universe. And I accept that because they're both gods of thunder and lightning. So I accept that completely. It is a little loose. It is a little loose. I admit, but that's why that's why I, cause in earlier scenes, he's like thunder is the sound lightning makes. Zeus says, so I think there's like a connection there. And I no, I yeah, somewhat I, accept and that. Like them going like, Oh, they're both thunder gods. They both know how to use, uh, they both know how to use like thunder powers and thunder weapons. I was still like, how, how did you even know that Zeus's lightning bolt could do that? Okay, whatever. Anyway, he goes to the center of the universe. Uh, the kids are there with Gore, and Gore has basically has basically convinced Stormbreaker to start uh, to start uh, creating a Bifrost to unlock the door to eternity. Mm-hmm. So Stormbreaker's doing that. Gore's there waiting. And Thor gets the kids free, and he's like, well, "Since you're all as guardian, I'm gonna need you to fight these uh, these uh, shadow monsters that Gore can make." And the kids are like, "Well, we're still kids. We 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 don't know how to fight." And he's like, "Well, now's the time to learn how to fight." <laughs> so, so then he goes, "Okay, kids, just to give you an added bonus for temporary, you all will temporarily have the power of Thor." So yeah. he gives the kids his powers temporarily they all get supercharged and they all start killing the shadow monsters and And it's great i'm sorry it's it's pretty funny it's pretty funny like like it's funny but it's not like whereas other times i felt like the humor was shoved in this one it felt natural because it's like oh these kids who are super strong almost immortal being aliens Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, they're they're strong. They can fight, and with Thor's uh, lightning powers, that that makes it even better. Oh yeah. So they're fighting the shadow monsters. There, it's a really good moment set to Guns and Roses. It, it it works. Like I I gotta say, it was silly, but it was it was one of the few quote unquote silly things in the movie that I was like, oh, this works really well. Mm-hmm. So Thor and Gore go at it. They start fighting, but then Gore gets the upper hand, and somehow or another, back on Earth, uh. Jane feels that Thor is losing the fight. Mm-hmm. So what she decides to do is that she takes Mjolnir and takes uh, Valkyrie's uh, Pegasus horse because the Pegasus horse can also travel across the universe. And she shows up to help him fight Gore. They fight. She kicks his ass. She breaks his sword. He tries to reform the sword and instead she creates like the biggest like shockwave with Mjolnir and just as all that is happening, the Thor's battle axe Stormbreaker breaks the lock and boom, (laughs) they're in the center of the universe in the middle of Eternity. So Eternity is actually a Marvel character. Mm. Like it's like this big like outline of just space that does ask you like what what is your desire let me show you all the secrets of the universe blah 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 but in here he's just standing there like just standing there mm-hmm. like just doing nothing it looks like a statue even though you see the universe inside of him mm-hmm. or inside of it i guess yeah it's given and, more vague terms than this yeah yeah much more vague like it's not talking or anything and like and one thing i want to point out that i liked i liked that gore kind of reverted back to what the only thing he knew which was praying to it because that's all he knew yeah, that's all he knew. So with the sword destroyed, Gore, Gore is now dying. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and Thor is like because that's the other thing they established the sword it it gives you a lot of power but it slowly kills its host yeah so Thor goes up to Gore and says because Jane's there and she's dying of cancer because Mjolnir can't stop the cancer anymore or mm-hmm. or is made made it worse I don't know I still don't no, I, get that I I genuinely think it's that she's not feeling the effects but it's still happening that's what how that's yeah. how I if I'm adding too much, fine, but that's how I choose to perceive yeah. it. So, so Thor tells Gore, listen, I know you're going to wish that all gods die. I'm just going to be with 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 Jane because she's slowly dying. And if these are my last moments, I want him to be with her because I love her. Mm-hmm. Right? So Gore goes there and he goes like, I don't want to kill all gods. I want to bring my daughter back, but I'm dying and I'm scared she's going to be all alone. And Jane, who is also dying, tells him, listen, if you bring your daughter back, Thor will take care of her. And Thor says, yes, I will. I will take care of her. So Jane dies. And here's the crazy thing. She doesn't die normally. She dies the way Odin died, the way Frigga died. Like when an Asgardian really dies, they turn to dust. And at first I thought that that was glittery dust. Glittery dust. And at first I thought that was a little weird. I'm like. Why is she dying like an Asgardian? Okay, whatever. So she dies. And Gore, in his last breath, eternity turns into his daughter. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, they reunite and he says, Listen, I'm dying. He's going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he dies. And it's a very sweet scene. So here's the, here's the thing that whole, that whole scene is never played for comedy. It, it is. Chris Hemsworth being noble Thor. It's Jane Foster being this this woman who is dying but has accepted her death. And this is a Christian Bale p- playing a broken father who just wants to see his daughter again. I also love there's a subtle moment because throughout the movie, uh, Jane was trying to figure out her catchphrase. And she's like, I finally figured it out. But instead of saying it, it's really sweet. She leans in and whispers it to Thor. Yeah. And he smiles and laughs and says, that's perfect. And I'm like, that's, I really like that touch. That's really nice. Yeah. Really and truly all the jokes stop the moment the kids defeat the, or all the funny stuff stops the moment the kids defeat the, the shadow monsters of, Mm -hmm. of gore. So, so it is played very, very well. It's very sweet. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we cut to new Asgard. Uh, The children have been returned Valkyrie has decided to put in, bring it upon herself to train these kids to be the next Asgardian warriors. And she looks like she has purpose in life. So again, I complained that during the whole movie, she doesn't really have anything to do. But then at the very end, they give her something to do. This is what they give her to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so Korg, and something I forgot to mention, uh, during that confrontation with Zeus, Zeus throws his lightning bolt first and it destroys Korg. And you think he died because, you know, he just turns into a pile of rocks. Mm -hmm. And then, and they make a big joke out of this, it turns out the only part that really matters for those aliens is their face. Well, more specifically, he said his mouth. (laughs) Well, his mouth and eyes. His mouth. That's the only thing that really matters to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. And then he somehow gets his body back and uh, he meets a a guy named uh, Dwayne. Which is obviously a pun on The Rock because it's a rock make, named Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock yeah. Johnson, with a, with the famous Johnson mustache. No, yeah, it was funny. Like, I was like, yeah, they're making fun of The Rock. I get it. 
And he meets Dwayne and they decide that they're going to uh, create a lava baby together, which yeah. I don't know. I like he explained how it works, but I was like, how did you get your body back? Right. Probably a similar way. Somehow <laughs> went into the lava, got a new body. Probably. So that's that's the end of his arc. And uh, Thor has decided to raise Gore's daughter as his own. Now, something we didn't mention. The daughter is played by the little girl is played by Chris Hemsworth, actual daughter, mm-hmm. uh, India, India Hemsworth. Yes. And they, they, they have a, a little scene together right before the end of the movie. And you can just tell that this is the chemistry between father and daughter mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, this has to be his kid. And it turned mm-hmm. out it was. And it works. It works really well. You totally buy Thor as a dad. Or mm-hmm. she calls him Uncle Thor. So yeah. Thor as an uncle, as the lovable uncle. Mm-hmm. It turns out because she's made from eternity that she apparently has some crazy eternity powers that we don't really get a chance to see. Like we just see her like her eyes glow and things break. But that's about mm-hmm. it. Um, so, you know, they, they do these cute father-daughter things. And then it turns out that they're on a spaceship on a planet and that they're there to help these people who are at war with these monsters. And mm-hmm. it ends with, with them going to battle against the monsters and everyone's happy. Yip, yip, hooray. Uh, but now, the two post-credit scenes. Because there are two. Yeah. The first one is after the credits, after the main credits. Turns out Zeus is alive. He did not die. Because, yeah. you know, he's a god. He's immortal. He's a god. It's not going right. to, yeah. And he's talking about how mad he is that humans don't worship gods anymore. They worship superheroes. Mm-hmm. And that he wants to teach he wants to teach uh, Thor a lesson. And you think he's just monologuing, but it turns out, no. He's actually talking to his son, Hercules, played by uh, Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. And he also has a Greek accent. <laughs> yes. So so here's the thing. If you had told me, even in 2012, after the Avengers came out, that like, hey, Hercules is going to be in the fourth Thor movie, I would have looked at you and be like, no. Hercules is, no. Hercules is, there'll be so many other movies before they bring up Hercules that it'll be like, 20 years before so even after Zeus you're like are they going to talk about that that never popped into your head no when Zeus popped up I was like uh, they'll do Zeus but they're not going to do Hercules because Hercules mm-hmm. is his own like Marvel character No, yeah. and, and they did so now I'm thinking well he's either going to be the villain or the partner of Thor in the fifth Thor movie or he might get like his own uh, Disney Plus show I don't know hmm. but but you know, he looks very comic accurate. Like I gotta say, he even oh, has like. He even I looked ha- it up. I looked it up when I, after I went home, and I was like, oh wow, yeah. Yeah, he even has close. his. He even because in he even has his club. So, um, mythological mythological Hercules didn't have a sword. He had a club, right? And uh, Stan Lee and um, and uh, I forgot who who drew it. Uh, Jack Kirby, they were they really liked like. Greek pantheon. So when they created or when they brought Hercules from the Greek pantheon, they gave him a club. And so that's how you know it's Marvel Hercules if he has the club and he has it in in this. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see where he pops up. He might pop up in. um, Hmm. Where else could he pop up? We'll see. Well, we'll see. Now, the last post credit scene. 
So throughout the entire movie, they make jokes and references about Valhalla and how when Asgardians die in battle, they go to Valhalla, right? Uh, Jane, as you remember, died like an Asgardian. She turned to golden dust. Guess where she appears but Valhalla. And guess who's there waiting for her? Idris Elba. Idris Elba is there waiting for her as Hemdall. And he oh, yeah, th- that's another thing. Hemdall's son is in this as a kid. Yeah, he's, he's one of the kids. He's like the leader of the kids, or he's the one that, that's communicating with Thor, telling him where the kids are. Because he has some of his By, by the way, that actor looks so much like Idris Elba. I was like, is that like his actual son? Um, but it's not. It's not for the record, but yeah. Yeah, it's not. Now, <sighs> here's my thing. So in the Marvel comics... Valhalla isn't a different planet. It's like a different realm of reality because as guardians are in effect immortal, when they die, they just go to a different reality being Valhalla. So it looks like what Mjolnir did was it couldn't cure her cancer, but it turned her into an Asgardian, which means that she's just in a different reality now. Right? So one of two things are going to happen. One is either when Chris Hemsworth does his last Thor movie, He's going to die, and it's going to end with him and Jane reunited in Valhalla. If that happens, I don't think that's going to happen. Wait, did you say last Thor movie? Yeah, his think- last Thor appearance. Okay, because I, I think that's going to happen in, in, in a, a Avengers movie. I don't know which yeah. one. Yeah, it's going to be his last appearance, and it's going to be like with uh, Chris Evans and Steve Rogers where it's him reunited with his love interest in his final appearance. Mm-hmm. That's It's either that. Or, in an Avengers movie or a Thor movie, Thor is going to access Valhalla and he'll be reunited with Jane and he'll be able to bring her back to Earth. And then they'll live happily ever after. It's one of those two options that's going to happen. Because I was like, wow, they really are going to really kill uh, Thor's love interest like they did with Captain America. And then it's like, oh no, she's, she's going to be back. She's either going to be there waiting for him or he's going to take her out. It's going to be one of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all the, the big spoilers of Thor Love and Thunder. Um, the movie didn't explicitly set up like a, another movie outside of, you know, Hercules going to fight Thor. We don't know if another Thor movie or if like he's going to have his own like nothing like that. So the film just ends with a Thor will return. So. There's either going to be a new Avengers movie or there's going to be a new Thor movie on the horizon. We don't or do know. Do you think he's just going to be Doctor Strange where he just appears in other stuff? I mean, if he is, I haven't I haven't seen or heard anything that he would logically appear in, mm. you know. Usually rumors start circulating that oh yeah, he's going to be in this movie before they announce the official casting. This is true. Yeah, but who knows? Who knows? But anyway, this is our last Marvel movie of the year. I know. And this and is I the think... last fa- Phase 4 project. Oh, really? So next is a Marvel? Is it is a, an Avengers? No, no. Uh, phase 5 is next. I, I don't know what Phase so 5 not... is. Because I always thought they ended a phase with an Avengers movie. There's just, no. They're just going to go on? Yeah, no. After Phase 3, they said that, there's not gonna, that Phase 4 was not going to have any Avengers team-ups. Interesting. Wow. I'm I'm gonna see what's what's gonna be phase five. Hmm. I know Blade is gonna be phase. Yes, we knew that. We knew that was coming. Which listen, that looks that they cast perfectly for that as with Marshall Ali. Okay, so a couple things. 
Fantastic Four was announced as a Phase Four movie, but they still don't have a release date for it. Hmm. Um, they just have it there as in development, but that was announced as a Phase Four movie. Okay, so Phase Four is not over. Oh yeah, no Phase Phase Four is yeah Phase Four is not over in a heartbeat. Uh, Black okay. Panther is next. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah, isn't that coming out this year? Yeah, Black Panther's coming out. Black Panther's the last one this year. There we it's go. Just, it's I just, know. it's just things. Nothing has been said about. It. So I do apologize. Earlier I said that Thor: Love and Thunder was the last uh, Phase Four or, or Marvel movie mm-hmm. of the year. No, no, no. Black Panther's the last one. Yeah. And then we have Ant Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, the Captain Marvel sequel next year. Okay. Yeah. So this phase is not over for a hot yeah. minute. Yeah. Yeah. One more year. Uh, Fantastic Four. I think you're right. Blade is not coming out till Phase Five. I think you're right about that. So Fantastic Four is still considered a Phase Four movie, but nothing has been announced by it except that the director left. Uh, That that happens a lot apparently with that with uh with Fantastic Four. Yeah. So Blade does have a director and a screenwriter. Mm. Deadpool has a director and screenwriters. Gotcha. Uh, Captain America just announced its director and screenwriters. And, uh, oh, Shang-Chi apparently is getting a sequel. And apparently there's going to be a Thunderbolts movie. So I'm kind of amazed that they're going that route after, I guess, Seaman Lee's uh, Reddit posts weren't as bad or didn't affect him as much as I thought it would. No, I mean, it's Reddit, you know. No, I know, but it was was some, it was, cringy is the light version of what it was. Yeah. Anyways, we're not going to go that road. I just, I was a little surprised when I heard that. All right. That being said, I do think this isn't Marvel, but I don't think Ezra Miller is going to be Flash anymore. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that we'll talk about that on uh, on the Shazam and Black Adam podcast. Yeah, we'll talk about that then. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, uh, this has been. What do you think? I'm Al. I'm C. Later, everybody. Good night.